What happens when a robot comes? I don't know, Steve. What happens? It busts nuts and bolts. <laughs> ah. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Welcome to a brand new episode of the Halloween is Forever podcast. It's me, Steve. And I'm Meg. And uh, we're down. We're down, Brian. He's uh, you know, taking a little bit of time for some family, personal time. Uh, so we had to change our schedule a little bit. I know everybody was expecting our robot rampage showdown this week, but uh, we're taking a little change in schedule just for a little bit. But we'll get to those ever so glorious robots and their rampagings. And you know, I know everybody can't wait to talk about 1995 screamers. So we'll, we'll get to that one. <laughs> now they just have more time if they didn't have yeah. a chance to watch. You know, right? Also, I mean, again, we gave them a short window to watch. Jim Wynorski's new opus, Murderbot. Oh, yeah. You know, and you got, look, kids, you got to go on. You got to go to fullmoonfeatures.com. It's the only place it's streaming. You got, I'm sorry, you got to pay that $6.99, but you get it. <laughs> you got a whole if, extra week you, now. Yeah. But if you love the show, you're going, you're, you're going to, you know? Yeah. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Uh, in the meantime, though, we're going to do a little bit of a mini rampage because we decided to watch the movie. Meg Thregan. M. Thregan. <laughs> M. Thregan. <laughs> Regan. Uh, so Meg and I are going to talk about that. You know, Meg is a Megan. And I had a roommate who was named a Megan. So we're doing a full Megan roundtable <laughs> of all the it's people like, who knew a Megan. <laughs> yeah. It's six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but just mm-hmm. in all the Megans. You know, so if you know a Megan, maybe listen to this episode with that Megan. Right. Yeah. So you can have a good time with it. Uh, so we'll get into that. But first, Meg, do you got do you, do you got a little drinky poo? Oh my god! You yes. got drinky poos? <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, my my bosses went to Chicago last week, and I was watching their cat. So oh no, not uh, Malort. As, Did they bring you Malort <laughs> as a gift? They oh no! Brought me a model of Malort, which. Up to this, up to recently, it was actually, I think the tides changed when I was in Seattle, you know, up to that point, I'm like, Malort sucks. Malort is like stomach bile in a bottle, you know, like Mm -hmm. I vomited and then all of that was harvested and then distilled down to make Malort. Yes. Something happened when I took a shot when I was out in Seattle and I was just like, you know what? I actually don't know if I hate this anymore. So I'm actually not upset about it. But so what I did was while I was at work today, I uh, made a grapefruit simple syrup. Like, and I was like, you know, I actually think I could make a cocktail with a Malort out of this, you know? <laughs> what I am drinking is Malort, this grapefruit simple syrup, and soda water. And it's not that bad. I mean, if, you, if you're if you into, like, really bitter Amaros or, like, you know, something like that, like, you, you fucking get it. You just get it. Um, so it is very bitter. This, you know, the, the syrup definitely brought some sweetness. There's some citrus. It's kind of pithy. Um, and it's uh, really, really nice. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna be a spokesperson for Malort now. I, I've never heard of anybody zhuzhing up Malort into a cocktail. <laughs> um. So you know, hey, I I don't know if you're an innovator that way or not. I don't know if people in Chicago have even figured out to do that. But I, I just don't know if that's really the culture around it. I'm I I'm yeah. sure some hipster bar fucking makes some crazy cocktails with it. But you know, it, it's a it's a shooting it's a shooting yeah uh, shot. You know, yeah yeah. It's always been known as a shooting shot. See now, the have you you still haven't had Plinkovac though, right? Nope. Yeah, we got to get you on the Plinkovac train. I, I still think there are certain things that need to come into my life as gifts mm-hmm. for me to appreciate them right. for what they are. Yeah. If I have to pay money, the value proposition for that is completely out the window. I, I have no interest. I'm it's only, like, now, it's only $10 money, though. <laughs> still, I will, I will then, if I don't like it, I will be like, why did I spend ten dollars? Mm. I could have. I'll tell you ten other. I could have bought another pack of cigarettes. Fair enough. All right. Yeah, I get it. And smoked them all in one session. More than wanting to drink something that was so terrible for only ten dollars. Okay. You know. Yeah, I get you. I get you. It's extreme. I, I, yeah, I just, I just feel like if you're finding a new love for Malort, and and you're able to judge it up, then for sure, for sure, Plinkovac. Because Plinkovac so much smoother, easier to drink. Like, I'm sh- I'm sure Brian has said many times on this show that he just would drink it by the bottle. And Somehow, I feel like one shot would make me black out the way you guys described. No, it. no, not at all. No, no, it's it's pretty. It's it's it's. I don't know if there's a term for it, but it's like almost a sip and shooting shot because mm-hmm. you could do a bunch of shots, which is why they are always a dollar at every Beaver County bar. I don't mm. know if that. I don't know if they're still that way with inflation in that but <laughs> mm-hmm. you know you could just you could just do shot upon shot it's like the it's like the natural light of shots <laughs> heard yeah heard i had two things that come to mind that uh first there are certain alcohols that are just designed to be completely messed up and the way you talk about this i feel like this is this sounds like an alcohol that would go in like a pudding shot um maybe it like uh, it'd have to be like something that goes with licorice though so because mm, it, it does have yeah. that liquor it does have that, that licorice flavor but it's not as bad because i don't like licorice mm-hmm. so like i hate jaeger and oh i like jaeger though too yeah you know? but like i don't know i'm weird because <laughs> i also do like ouzo i don't so, know ouzo ouzo is uh is like a grape like or not grape greek so it's, it's a greek uh, liqueur and mm. it's it's just like straight up liquor it's Greeks not even like don't fuck around though. I feel yeah, like Greek people, no. yeah, they don't fuck around. My second thought was that as I was saying this and I'm zhuzhing up this Malort is I want to see an Instagram page or a TikTok, whatever, of people who specifically take really, really terrible alcohols and liqueurs and um, just make really fancy, delicious cocktails out of them. Mm. I, uh. I, I think it has legs. Yeah, I, there's a there's a YouTube account that I follow, uh, uh, How to Drink, and he okay. does like he does cocktails all across the board, but occasionally mm-hmm. he does episodes like, and I think he's he's used Malort a couple times, so he does cocktails of mm-hmm. like the worst ones, and so far I think he's found like Malort and then this Asian wine that's called Kowling, or like Kowling. the two, yeah, they're like two of the worst. Have like, you ever had Sangai? 
No. I'm trying to sing guy. It's like a type of brandy, but it was really interesting. It kind of had this bitterness to it that I I tried to, we had two different, and they were completely different flavor profiles, but um, it still had this like sweetness to it, but like it was really unique. And I feel like that would also go into this category of things mm. we're talking about. Sure. But yeah, what, uh, are, you, what are you drinking over there? What's so Zoom Zoom what I'm drinking... Got? Uh, I it's not full on zoom zoom, but I am I went out of my realm of things okay. because I was I was buying a bottle of soju again at the wine and spirits, <laughs> and then I saw on the clearance rack that they had a three and a half dollar bottle of mulled wine. Oh God! <laughs> but it's still in my lane because okay. it's a maple pecan mulled wine. Wow! Yeah, I feel the headache right now. And I was worried about that too, but it's only six and a half percent. Like that's why I don't like wine because usually it gives me a headache. Mm-hmm. But like certain like sweet wines are usually a little easier for me. And then because it's like a lesser, uh, you know, lesser ABV, I feel like it probably won't give me as much of a headache. So I'm giving it a try. All right. All right. And as you were saying earlier, like I only paid three and a half dollars for it, so I'm not going to be super upset if it turns right. out, you know, bad for me. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Again, that value proposition. How much am I going to... Okay. Took, took, you took a first sip and... Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been sipping on it, but yeah, it's oh. like it's it's a sweet wine for sure. And I it doesn't have like a whole lot of, uh, I don't know, like, like any, any acrid tannins on it. Mm-hmm. So it's not very bitter at all, but it's just kind of tastes like Grape juice and uh, pancake syrup in a way, because like I said, it was I, maple pecan, but it's not. I don't know. It's not I don't great. Know you, I feel like what you need right now is like a peanut butter whiskey or something mm. to make some pretty nice peanut butter and jelly pancakes. Mm. This really feels up your alley. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I'm encouraging it, but <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Almost turns into uh, like a. Uh, 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 a cement mixer without the curdling, but you drop yeah. a sh- you drop a shot of the screwball into mm-hmm. uh or have you ever had Batman drinks? I no, I haven't. I know I feel like I see it at Jack's. Like they have the one poster mm-hmm. like Jack's on the sass side. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know where that accent came from. That was really bad. <laughs> Jack's on the sass side. <laughs> <laughs> I forget, I forget everything that goes into a Batman shot, but it winds up tasting like root beer. Oh. And it's like, it's something dropped into a Jack and Coke. Ah. Well, like, yeah. I'm just, gonna, I'm now curious. Yeah. Uh, but it, uh, again, this is another like uh, Beaver County fucking thing that happens a lot. Okay. It's like so, Batman shots. Spiced rum. Yeah. To a pint glass halfway filled with cola, yeah. and then fill a glass of butterscotch schnapps, Jägermeister, and Irish cream. So it's definitely like a bomb shot. Oh yeah, it's a bomb shot. Yeah, but yeah, it for whatever reason it comes out tasting like root beer when you sh- like drink it all at once. Why don't I? Did, I f- you know what I feel like? I feel like I don't have enough of those type of drinks in my life anymore. Now there's a time where, like, <clears throat> I remember long long time ago like uh you ever see like flaming dr peppers oh yeah i used to make them like they're so good like they're so so good good. so and i finally i found one 
bar divey enough to light it on fire. Mm, but cordles? In ju- uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, there was a couple places I'd be like, it was, I had to have been freshly 21 because they just wouldn't do it mm-hmm. because they're like, legally can't light things on fire inside the bar, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you're fucking wuss. Go back to your home. Light <laughs> yeah, the shit but, on fire. Yeah, McArdles used to light them on fire, and uh, I think so did Jekyll and Hyde's. I, um, the White Eagle on the South Side did it once, and mm. then I think I knew the bartender well enough at Nico's that did it one time. Yeah. Again, bartender's not there anymore, so. <laughs> See, I, I never tried to get it at the White Eagle, because anytime I was at the White Eagle, I was just getting rocket fuel. So <laughs> what is rocket? Oh, it, was, it was one of those things that was like 20 liquors in once that tasted like fruit punch. Oh God. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was get you a fucking turned. Man, I, I can just imagine that we could do an entire show talking about oh, the, yeah. the terrible things that we drank and ruined our bodies with all, all the terrible drinks of the South side and Beaver County. <laughs> That's what everybody tuned in to listen to. They did. not Oh man. We'll move just on. to say out loud bringing back pudding shots, D's cafe, pudding shots. My ex-husband ended up in handcuffs shortly after Oof. that. It was one of my, uh, worst hangovers of my life. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. So but that, you know, but that's what putting shots do. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go, listeners. If you're ever in Pittsburgh and you need suggestions on where to completely <laughs> lose your mind at, we got you nailed down. Just send us, shoot us an email, Halloween is forever pod at gmail.com and say, Hey, I need some drinking tips. I need to know where to go. We the got you covered. The subject line is called Team Shit Show. Yeah, Two Team, team shit, shit Show. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, Team Shit Show, we got you covered. Uh, you know, also just follow <laughs> us on the Twitters and the TikToks. At Halloween is forever. You find us anywhere. Just send us. The DMs are open. You need drink recipes. We got you. <laughs> but... Uh, with that in mind, though, let's move on to a little bit of business we're going to take care of now so we don't have to take care of it next week when we do the showdown. We're going to do that old picker wheel because everybody knows every month we do a showdown and that showdown is predicated upon these three topics that are picked by random chance, but it's a picker wheel full of horror topics <laughs> and then we let you vote upon them. So I got one. Here's the first one. So excited. Telekinesis Kyle. And uh, that that was, you know, obvious Tenacious D reference. But it's a reference to, uh, that means we're going to be looking at, like, all the telekinesis movies. Scanners comes to mind automatically. Um, I think I think you could also probably put Firestarter into that. Even though it's pyrokinesis, it's still like... Yeah. She does it with her so mind. So controlling things with your mind or... Because uh, I, I don't even know if we have anything on the wheel that would be just like, you know, re- referencing X-Men, like where they just have special powers and like, you know, certain people can do different things with their mind. But I, I mm-hmm. would be okay. I mean, that could go in the Meg Rail category. Little. <laughs> the only ones that were coming to mind right away. Uh, I mean, I think the Meg Rails on that episode would have been Carrie, but we've already done that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, Carrie is definitely like a Meg Rail. You can't take, take can't take Carrie. It's too good. <laughs> <laughs> that was just very, it was a perfect movie to pick for the topic that, mm-hmm. you know, I'll defend that one. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, the next category, though, uh, is kind of apropos, considering th- that there is already a film from them in this month's showdown or in April showdown. Yeah. Uh, but the next category is full moon films. Oh, there uh, we go. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about them. We've featured a number of them. You know, we did head of the family. We're going to do murder bot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Full moon films that that also includes like all your puppet masters uh, I mean, with this subscription, I feel like I'm going to have to just like take advantage of it. At least yeah. watch a few. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, you got so many good ones. You also got stuff like Oblivion, which is more, you know, sci fi. Check out the Oblivion films. I love those. Uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think what else kind of. I mean, there's so many Jim Wynorski and I think maybe some David Dakota. Yeah, I think it's, some of his films make that full moon as well. So. Mm. The Full Moon has a huge library of films. I think uh, maybe only rivaled by Troma with how many just cheap, quick movies they put out and distribute. Yeah, I'm just looking at the list right now. And I mean, I feel like it's just nothing I've really sunk in my teeth into, but Mm -hmm. not like obviously opposed to. But um, The Creeps, I feel like The Creeps has come up in conversation. That looks like it's on there. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, we've that? probably talked uh, we've probably talked a little bit about that uh mm-hmm. probably more brian than me because brian brian's much more of the full moon guy mm-hmm. and i'm the trauma guy so <laughs> but yeah like you know trauma trauma distributes way more than they actually make you know like mm-hmm. i think when people think trauma films they more often think about you know what was directed by lloyd kaufman whereas like Will we have to put parameters on that one, or is it pretty on full much moon? no? Yeah. No, okay. No, cool. No, so just bumper, anything. Yeah. No bumper rails on that one. I don't it think. It seems like a like company that has no rails itself. It doesn't. No. If you want to so, do Evil Bong Seven, you can do Evil Bong Seven. If you wow. want to do Evil Bong Eight, you can do Evil Bong Eight. <laughs> yeah. You, you can do any of those that you want. That's uh, fucking hilarious. Our final category to vote upon though is called future stars and this is films that featured like an a-list celebrity before they were famous Mm. so like so a lot of times you see people who you know they star (laughs) in horror films before they get big Mm -hmm. um i think mia goth is probably like a current modern uh example of that She's been oh, doing yeah, like a sure. lot of horror films and she's kind of getting famous off of these horror films. Right. Um, she, I feel like she's like the way you're describing that too. I feel like she's kind of in that phase and to see mm-hmm. what she'll transition to next would be interesting. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of like a, a better version of somebody who was like in horror. They got their start in horror films and then mm-hmm. they transitioned to something bigger. Because there's like there's so many examples and that my brain is just not working right at the moment. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, like even Bruce Campbell, you know, like Mm -hmm. obviously he got his start with, you know, Sam Raimi and doing the Evil Dead. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, they still work together. But then like he went on to do Briscoe County and then, you know, he shows up in the Spider-Man films. So but, you know, everybody obviously knows him for the Evil Dead films. So it's kind of like that, you know, just where where somebody got their start. You know, they were recognize, uh, unrecognizable at the time, but now they're huge. So that is going to be our third category for May. Beautiful. Uh, so again, that's full moon features. It's 
what was the first one? My brain just complete. Oh, telekinesis, <laughs> Kyle. So any kind. Of- I did. I actually told you that with my mind. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so telekinesis, Kyle. So any kind of movie that has telekinesis, and I suppose we can discuss whether or not we let pyrokinesis in, just because I can't really think of a whole lot of telekinesis movies off the top of my head that aren't scanners mm. and carry. Yeah. So, you know, but we'll, we'll talk about that. And then, uh, you know, what we just said, the, the future stars that grew up in horror films and went on to be bigger. But that'll be your May showdown. So check the social medias again, all the Halloween is forevers, but mostly Twitter and Instagram. That's where we do our voting. You vote, then we'll pick our movies and then we'll fight those movies out. And then somebody will be champ for May after we figure out who champ is for April. <laughs> but, lucky for us. Lucky. We don't have to hear on this episode of Brian reminding us that he is the current champ. Yes, we do get no? to skip all that shit talk that means nothing <laughs> because I deserve to win. <laughs> I should <have won. laughs> He's He's after it. Yes, I deserved one. I should have won last month. I think right now we're just in a holding pattern until I win this month. So we're going to get there. Got it. I like your self-talk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's just, look, anytime I lose, I don't think I actually lost. I just think something else happened. (laughs) And then when when I'm waiting to win, I'm just waiting to win. Yeah, I mean, the what you just said actually makes me want to take back my comment because that just sounded very delusional, you know. Mm, uh, but, you know, I like I like the confidence. You know, you keep coming back for more. You keep losing, but you, you don't you don't let it keep you down. The other the other side of you that know, is <laughs> also I don't have uh, I don't have any proof to deny this, but like I always think that I win the audience's heart. Like, even if I don't, even if I don't win the voting, I know there's plenty. I, I think the majority of the audience is at, at home saying, damn, Steve got screwed again. When will Steve ever win? Got this it. is bullshit. I agree with Steve. How do you're, I? You're not like getting messages about this, though. Well, no, like, I'm not. I'm not getting messages to the contrary. Mm, you okay. know, I, got, I, I see. I see the. I see how you again. You, a great perspective, good self-talk. Um, My yes, audience is the is, silent majority, and they are everyone cl- is on Steve's side. Yep, they are yep. classy mm-hmm. enough to not message you and Brian, <laughs> being like, "Hey, fuck you! You you totally screwed him. Fuck you!" My audience is too classy for that. So, you know, they don't send hate mail just because I lost. They're for sure messaging me saying, "Great job this month." Great picks. Oh, no, that's your audience messaging you saying, great job, great picks. <laughs> yeah. But like, my audience do- Yeah, but my audience doesn't send hate mail. That's what I'm saying. That's fine. I just you know have what? the silent majority. Got it. I li- you know, okay, cool. I hear you. I hear you, Steve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they, just, they just know they don't have to send messages. Like, they can just enjoy Ravenous and go, yeah, Ravenous is just a better movie. But we don't have to send messages that are mean to Brian and Meg. <laughs> totally yeah they're for sure sparing me and brian mm-hmm. absolutely yep and um thank you audience for sparing us yeah yep. <laughs> they don't have to, they don't have to be rude and i just i just know that about them <laughs> i love everyone's oh, this conversation right now let's move on 
to the movie we watched. Ooh, we watched yeah. we watched Meg Thregan. Uh, it M3-gan. is M Thregan. My my coworker always says M Thregan to mm-hmm. me. <laughs> like calls me now M Thregan every once in a while, um, and I find it funny. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, they actually. I like that they actually put a name to it. That you know it, it justified why this thing was called Meg Thregan, but we'll get into it. Uh, mm-hmm. The movie itself was directed by Gerard Johnstone, who I've not. A, I haven't really heard of. I don't. Uh, I I'm not familiar with. He has. Uh, oh, you know what? Not okay, a lot on his Housebound. I don't think I've seen Housebound. I have actually seen Housebound. It was. It was uh, on a Tubi. Uh, it's a it's a pretty good movie, um, but also now it kind of makes more sense as to why uh, I felt the way I did about this movie. Okay. Um. So yeah. Say more. Yeah. So I don't know. I I like I like uh, Meg Thregan. It's it's kind of a fun. It's a definitely a fun movie. It has mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the vibes because other people associated with this are James Wan, who we all know from doing malignant as like kind of last year's or 2021's big breakout like crazy Mm -hmm. movie so there's a lot of those kind of tonal things in uh, meg thregan but what uh, the kind of the dna it shares with housebound is like housebound is a comedy of sorts okay um, but also there's like a lot of uh kind of emotional things in it as well Mm, and it's a like about it's about like a young troubled teen. Uh, so like it's again like troubled kids and like how yeah. their parents try to deal with them and everything. Uh, I think I think that concept and I'm glad that you found that tie there as well, because I think like when I, when I saw this movie is like it, it had this like fullness enough where I'm like I I did I felt satisfied that this was like there was a reason and a why all these things happen and it felt cohesive but like touching on like such an emotional thing I think now society's a little bit like reacted to that sort of thing so it it hits more than just the horror or it gets you like hooked and connected with something whether or not you've like lost a parent or you knew someone who lost a parent you had this instant connection with the story yeah i i guess my issue is like it just feels tonally inappropriate sometimes which housebound does too as well but i think that was almost purposeful and we can jump into Mm -hmm. like Exactly. Because I think there's a couple of scenes where I totally know what you're saying. But. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, so uh, <clears throat> just to start the movie off, uh, uh, Meg Thregan starts with actually a pretty great scene. And I feel like this is something that James Wan definitely pushed to you know make sure it made the final cut and everything and like was pushed into the, uh, uh, the edit in the screenplay is that it starts with the this commercial for a Furby like toy, but it mm-hmm. like has like all these weird intrusive properties. It has these horrific teeth that are like you wouldn't put like small human teeth in a toy like that. That's why Furbies had beaks. As creepy mm-hmm. as weird as Furbies were, they wouldn't have like god awful human teeth that come out. <laughs> but this is, I find it's I find it kind of funny because I didn't initially think Furby, but like the moment you said, I was like, yeah, that was like an initial connection to mm-hmm. like something that 
is reminiscent. So yeah. yeah. Also, the commercial starts out terribly inappropriate because it starts with the, the saying like "Stop getting pets because pets die." And yeah. <laughs> so I mean, and obviously, like if you're watching this, you're immediately thinking of the Cheddar Goblin from Mandy. Um, mm-hmm. Just that you know, an inappropriate, funny commercial for something that we recognize. Uh, this also did remind me of, like, I think it. It might have been a whitest kids you know sketch, but it's okay. it's like perpetual puppies, and it's all um, about like how like you know pets don't stay puppies. So like when they grow up, just bring them in, and we'll kill the old dog and give you a new puppy. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you get you get this inappropriate commercial for this perpetual pet. And, you know, it's a Furby ripoff, but also it has like all kinds of intrusive things about it because it has like a camera on it and like a listening device. And then they smash cut to a girl in the backseat of a car playing with her perpetual pet. And like every time Mm -hmm. you feed it, it makes fart noises and like it's constantly talking. This is one of this movie is filled with little things that I love. I don't. It, it, like the big overarching things I don't love as much but there's so many little yeah. things I love in this and one of them is in this scene where the fucking toy does not shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah and I, I like I think um, you kind of said it calling this movie fun and I think like there are certain things that I just I didn't over I think echo in that I didn't overall think it was like necessarily like the best movie mm-hmm. per se but like I had fun watching it and like in certain ways and um yeah, just because I think that little guy like burped too, or mm-hmm. maybe did it yeah. fart. I was just yeah, like, it did everything. It just it's just constantly <laughs> making noise. It's burping. It's farting. It's just talking about yeah. nothing. <laughs> I think I would have loved that. I would have like loved torturing my siblings with that a thing. That oh was yeah, so fun. Yeah, it's it's a thing that's like you can definitely. That's the other thing I like about it is like it's a toy. Like it's not too far off to believe that it, it could be something that would exist. You know, within mm-hmm. like three or five years if somebody wanted to dedicate themselves to it just because Mm -hmm. it's annoying but it's also it's tied to an ipad so like you play on the ipad to interact with it and then Mm -hmm. yeah it's just like an annoying piece of shit that like parents would hate you know what in my age we had gigapets and they were (laughs) just as annoying but they could also die very easily and you can just start again gigapets jesus what do you couldn't get the brand name tamagotchi (laughs) No, I don't think I probably did it. <laughs> wow, coming straight for the jugular there. <laughs> no, it's just like I feel like that's what everybody remembers was Tamagotchi. I, yeah, yeah. But uh, so yeah, so you're introduced to this pet, and then it's uh, you're introduced to Katie, who's the little girl playing with it, and she's in a, on a trip with her parents, and they're on like a snowy road. And like, this was another thing, uh, a small thing I enjoyed, but just like the banter between the parents mm-hmm. of like, just kind of their incompetence. Like uh, the, very often parents are portrayed as like knowing everything, you know, uh, sure. being the ultimate authority. But like in this case, like the parents are just very humanly flawed in that like mm-hmm. the dad didn't know what like. He didn't know that the car was four wheel drive. They don't know to just stop and pull over. They don't, you know, like they're just, they're just kind of dumb, but it also, it sets the tone for the rest of the movie because a lot of the rest of the movie is like based on incompetence of people. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Well, also, like I found, like obviously, this is a later scene when Megan's reading Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. to a uh, little girl, and there's like this tie to like her having to just figure things out for herself in a sense, mm-hmm. which I think is a little bit counter. Um, like contradictory to the fact that like she then uses Megan to like help figure things out. But I think when you said that it made a lot of sense because it's even what we experience when she goes to live, you know, when we find out she um, is with her aunt and whatnot, mm-hmm. because um, that incompetence or just like the whole thing like throughout is that she's trying to figure out not only how to deal with grief, how to deal with like, like learning and growing as a human. Right. Um, so I think there's like some ties there too. Yeah. 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 There's definitely like a lot of themes of, and maybe incompetence was too harsh of a, a term for it, but like just like parents are flawed, adults are flawed and people are going to make mistakes. And like, again, like everything is based on mistakes. You know, the, the, uh, the eventually how this scene ends is, you know, because the parents decided to stop in the middle of the road, they get hit by a plow truck and that what that's what kills them and sends Katie off to live with her aunt, Gemma, uh, played by Allison Williams, who is, you know, like this grand toy designer. And she is also the designer of their perpetual pet who's farting and pooping and yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like Gemma makes mistakes, you know, because she doesn't really know how to raise Katie. But then she also mm-hmm. makes like a whole bunch of mistakes in building Megan because she mm-hmm. doesn't she doesn't stop to think. You know, and well, she it's doesn't... Like, I feel like it's not even stopped to think. I think she there's so much pressure behind the situation that like mm-hmm. she's rushing to get like figure out a solution or just like come up with something that'll like be a band-aid or like fix the problem that she doesn't know how to deal with. Like cause we're talking about emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, she has no idea how to deal with a child. So her reaction to that or response to that is to create something she does understand. Even if, even though, like, we obviously find out there's, uh, like, such a significant amount of flaws to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, and she is also, like, under pressure, which is very, it's established early. Like, she's under pressure by her boss at this funky toy factory. So, like, she is, you know, when we're first introduced to her, she's trying to build a Megan. And it's not working mm-hmm. out like it. It's kind of reminiscent to like RoboCop too, if people remember that. It's just like they were trying to build a new RoboCop, and all the RoboCops were like exploding and shooting themselves in the head. <laughs> it's kind of similar to that scene, in that like yeah. they try to build the Megan, and then the Megan has like this crazy face, and it doesn't respond correctly, and then it just starts sparking <laughs> and explodes. <laughs> so. Um, I mean, that's how I respond to problems too. You know, right. I'm I'm building a connection with <laughs> Megan here. You know, <laughs> well, I, I assume you have to immediately try to take some, you know, ownership and be like, you know, how how does Megan relate to me? <laughs> Am I Megan? <laughs> <laughs> I am Megan. Yeah. <laughs> Soon enough, everyone's Megan. <laughs> Uh, you know, and then Gemma gets the news about uh, Katie, and you you get a pretty quick truncated scene of just like them moving in to get it together and everything. And that's where you get into the meat of like Gemma being ill prepared to bring Katie into mm-hmm. her home. This is one of the things that I didn't quite like because you get the early scene of her trying to build a Megan and then she's 
it, it doesn't make sense or at least it just didn't play correctly to me like how quickly she gets inspired by Katie because mm-hmm. like Katie isn't like interacting or playing you know and, and she, like she doesn't have any toys she doesn't have any friends so Gemma quickly gets inspired to solve that very thing but she was already working on solving that mm-hmm. I think like there must have been like this unsaid thing of like maybe a piece that was missing of like what the purpose of a Megan would be mm-hmm. and then so when she saw an opportunity for like this uh, doll essentially like AI doll to help at home it was like a selling point which is obviously what we find out is like Mm -hmm. this doll gets sold as like something to relieve some burden off parents you know who are just probably everyone's working but you know there's a narrative where kids are you know they're left alone a lot and they don't have someone to help make sure they're like becoming responsible people um whereas this ai can step in and be like and do that job so like there i can see like you know a light switch go off when she needed that she's like someone else would probably want this as well yeah it, it just seemed weird because it seemed like she was already working <laughs> on it for that purpose and it seemed more that like the way she was inspired was inspired technically because the scene in which she gets inspired they're playing with another robot she had already built called bruce mm-hmm. and it, right. it was like a proxy robot you know that right. that like was controlled by these and this is kind of like where it gets into it, this is where the movie gets its first bit of silliness in, in you know kind of plot because you see the foreshadowing but it's just like here's a robot that's controlled by gloves you know here's mm-hmm. little haptic gloves that will like control this giant you know <laughs> i also want to know what college she went to to be able to have created that thing in college right i mean that's it, it was a full-on I mean, it's more advanced than anything that Boston Dynamics is doing at the moment, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe. I don't know. But, like, just the fact that she was able to keep it in her garage as well. Right. (laughs) Oh, oh, I get to, like, take this thing home? Sick. Yeah. I can have this thing that would be an absolute defense department, like, application. Because it Mm -hmm. would be, it's a soldier that would be controlled. That's another movie I want to see now. I want to see the movie where this thing's controlled by soldiers. Yeah. Well, I almost like build this tie is like if that was one of the moments where that was like really the light bulb goes off is that like maybe and I could be just adding to the narrative versus like actually pulling what could be happening. But there could be some connection for her where she's like, when I was younger, this thing really helped me get through college Mm -hmm. or like, you know, was kind of like a mildly a companion. So her having this like emotional um like boundary not the right word but um and and upness is not the right word either but like um not able to fully feel emotions like um like even just having that maternal figure or, or like instinct um but she's like oh this robot helped me this is now where Megan needs to go. It's yeah. like this. What if this robot could actually just help someone else? Right. Which yeah, I I think that I think you're pretty you're you're correct in like that connection but just for me watching it it just felt more like oh yeah i forgot i had these parts in this robot that i'm now going to put in this new robot sure which which again if the bruce robot was some sort of military contract robot that would make a (laughs) lot more sense as to Mm. why it goes haywire because you're not that 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 
feels like a real common horror trope of putting defense robot products in a toy that you're not supposed sure. to. I mean, that was that was <laughs> that was the premise of uh, Small Soldiers. They they mm. yeah. <laughs> if anybody remembers that movie, makes sense. It's a good one. Um, but yeah, so they they finally build Megan for real and they bring Megan to life and like it. it I we talked last week, Children of the Corn. Mm-hmm. and how Kurt Wimmer can't direct kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. This film is pretty heavily uh, built around the two performances of Katie and Megan. And mm-hmm. Megan is played by a real little girl. So uh, the this director, Jer- uh, Jared uh, Johnstone, he obviously has a better rapport with kids in getting what he wants out of them. Sure. Because the performance aren't the performances aren't terrible, and as far as Megan goes, like she moves in a way that you know, especially in the early scenes, she moves in a very mm-hmm. robotic way. So he's getting a good performance out of an actor, like you know, it yeah. made up to be like a robot. Yeah, I think I read too that this like like the whole performance of Megan was a combination of the girl who played her like body movements of so, like the full scenes talking about the dancing, etc. Mm-hmm. With like a dollar, it was like a puppet of sorts and then a little bit of CGI with it too. Mm-hmm. So like kind of like throughout it, there's, I don't know, this disbelief that this thing is real or that it's a real person. But that girl, I'm forgetting her name off the top of my head, who plays Megan. Oh, Amy Donald. Mm-hmm. Like they were saying, how I like read how she like had to be trained on like how to move a little bit more robotically, right? But uh, um, but yeah, she does a good Megan. job. And then the other thing is, uh, the voice of Megan is an adult, so they kind of right. they that's the one cheat they were able to pull off is they mm-hmm. we can have Megan be voiced by an adult, especially again at towards the end, like there does feel like an evolution of Megan throughout the movie. Because like we're saying, mm-hmm. in the early stages, she moves very robotically and she has, you know, kind of just like a normal uh, kind of intonation to her voice. But like by the mm-hmm. end of the movie, she's really sassy. <laughs> she- <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it, it was cool because you kind of got hints that um, they did a good job with that. The voice actor that she sound, still sounded like commanding in a way mm-hmm. of like she was disarming and sweet and like comforting while also being like coming going into like assertive roles at times like it wasn't awkward yeah oh you mean like when katie's leaving big shits in the toilet and she's not flushing them <laughs> i really want to know how many i mean granted i don't know if children's still like how many kids are just not flushing the toilet but then i also like you know people who are like no if it's mellow let it or like yeah, if it's yellow, let it mellow. And I'm like, oh, so the so I don't know, you know, conflicting, <laughs> conflicting thoughts. And look, I get it. And there, there is a certain subsect of uh, like I grew up in kind of that if it's yellow, let it mellow, because yeah. I lived like in a trailer with well water. And like if you sure. use too much water, you can't have water for other things. Sure. So like, you know, also like anytime the power goes out, you can't you you you, you got to let the yellow mellow cuz otherwise you can't flush again. You got to make your one least- flush count. <laughs> so I get that. I also <laughs> You're like I fucking relate. Yeah. I also have to like uh 
was Megan just outside the door with the door open, just watching this happen too? Because I think that's also. What I oh yeah, away she's outside. There. She's outside. She's listening, and mm-hmm. this this is why it's not yellow. This is why Katie is dropping giant logs <laughs> and just leaving them in the bowl. Like I don't know, I don't know nine year olds because I don't have kids, and I you know I don't hang around them. So I don't. Yeah, why is Brian not here? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We have to ask him. Like, do his daughters yeah. just like leave big shits in the toilets? Because <laughs> the first time we're introduced to this, this is a joke they play out three times, and it's fucking wild for this movie yeah. mm-hmm. because we just got done dealing with like a bunch of weird, like dead parent stuff, and now we're on to Katie leaves big shits. <laughs> uh, Al, uh, Gemma, turns. Gemma walks into the bathroom and she's wildly offended by what she finds. Mm-hmm. Like nobody reacts like that to just a little bit of pee pee in the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and then Megan has to remind uh, Katie twice and like very firmly. There's a you know on the third time she's very firm about it. She's like Katie, flush the bowl. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, and I'm assuming I'm like I also would like to think that this was all happening one day too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all in one day. She gets trained <laughs> to stop leaving logs. <laughs> I'm gonna use this tactic with my dog. You know, mm-hmm. make him go clean up. You know, I think it's all the same. Yeah. Well, you just have to buy. You just have to build like a little robot dog who reminds him not to poop. You know, it growls at him when he tries to poop where he shouldn't. <laughs> That'd be so cute. <laughs> it's a trainee dog. I like him. Uh, but yeah, so aside aside from all the toilet humor, like you do get like these instances of like Katie and Megan building like a relationship together and they obviously start mm-hmm. bonding. And then it's also like ob- an obvious kind of allegory or a- an allusion to the way kids build up screen time uh, and mm-hmm. the way kids become like irrationally attached to the things that they shouldn't like Hmm. like you there's definitely kids like if you try to take a toy away from them they throw a temper tantrum well it's also like that uh like um i'm trying to think of the right word for it um object permanence i think you know in a sense Mm -hmm. it's like if if they don't see it for five days they forget about it but now you're dealing with something that's like building an emotional connection to you like a little differently. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a, a therapist character in this movie who like towards the end of the film does explain what's happening as to why Katie is so attached to uh, to Megan. Right. And it's, you know, it's obviously because like, again, all the allusions to like when you just leave your kids to fucking get raised by video games and the Internet they get fucking psycho about the games and the internet because mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's what gets the majority of their attention. You know, if you try to take what's the majority of their attention mm-hmm. away from them, then they get fucking nuts. <laughs> I also think like it's explained too of like, we're talking about attachment as well. Mm-hmm. And like when there's like a huge loss, obviously like loss of a parent that there there's like that initial like bond that is necessary, especially when they're so young. And I think in this case that was clearly explained that that was part of this, but not to discredit like anything that you're saying as well as being part Mm -hmm. of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's again, that was also another thing that's brought up by the therapist of just like, (laughs) you know, because she has this trauma, like she's way more susceptible 
Like she, she needed, mm-hmm. you know, Katie needed more care uh, mm-hmm. than Gemma was able to provide at the time. Right. You know, because Gemma has all these deadlines at work and everything. So like, yeah, you get a lot of this, uh, again, the, we're talking about all this family drama and like you might be sitting at home listening going but where's the horror <laughs> and like that's <laughs> kind of exactly the point of, like mm-hmm. and, and the dna this movie shares with uh housebound is like there's a lot of drama that's like mm-hmm. uh okay but then you get you get enough like little fun things that keeps you watching yeah i and like yeah and like i think we'll get to like more of like horror elements of it too but i and i don't know how your your feelings or thoughts on this too um or even if you think about it all or if it's like a factor of like horror today of like there's certain elements to like the trauma or like losing your parents that like hit similar like notes for me that like horror can fill but like it, it's like it's more emotional of a connection there like these things are absolutely like horrific which whatever mm-hmm. um, it's not really my point to it but they have elements of what like can be in a good horror movie if done well like if you can hit on an emotional component of something that we can all relate to i think that can really really um deepen like the horror that you experience or and i'm trying to think of like other places we've seen we've seen in other other ways but um, well, I, yeah. I I think to go along with that, you're like you're right, and like the the best analogy would be uh, Midsommar because it's mm-hmm. very sure. like in a, even the the opening starts it starts very emotional with the loss of parents, right. you know, it, and you know family overall, and so like Danny is left alone in the world, and you know she has to kind of find her new attachment, which does wind up being the cult. So, but like that's also a, like a very serious movie, and mm-hmm. like just kind of my problem with Megan is that it tries to have these serious tones in what is essentially a very silly movie. Oh, totally. So like, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and I and it just it, a lot of times I feel like it didn't go one way or the other enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we we mentioned like Ex Machina because of doing the robot rampage. Like Ex Machina mm-hmm. is a very serious movie. Um, there, like, there are light moments. Everybody knows the Oscar Isaac dancing, but like, it's a very serious movie about like what it means to be human and like, you know, what happens if you create life and things like that. It's not. It doesn't devolve into the silliness that Megan does. So I just feel like this movie didn't pick a lane well enough because it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't really earn the end payoff to where Gemma and Katie reconcile mm-hmm. and, and try to leave Megan behind uh, while Megan is doing silly dances and like <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. killing office workers and things like that. Totally. So, yeah, I feel like for um, like, I feel like this film had a lot of um, elements of like what you would be like, Oh, this is just meant for like a large audience or like try to hit an audience that not, isn't necessarily fully into horror. Mm-hmm. So like, but I think what a miss was even just talking at the end, but is like talking about Gemma and Katie's relationship could have come a little bit more full circle where there was like a lesson learned, but I mean, for it being that. So, um, yeah. Whereas I don't really feel like this case. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's just like, because this movie devolves into like such silly moments Mm -hmm. uh i just feel like they should have just gone more silly 
just go more full oh, totally. just go more full silly and like you know like megan only really kills uh four people and a dog in this movie it's true you know? yeah like i mean it, like i don't think body count is really you know necessary in a horror film but like mm-hmm. when you're just gonna have complete silliness of like a, a crazy dancing robot girl just let her go like have her like run amok in that scene where like they're trying to do the launch like that felt like that felt like they were building to something because they're like oh, let's get totally. more people in here let's get more people in here oh right yeah like a mass <laughs> definite definite rampage would have yeah. in, ensued yeah. um do you almost like i almost had this feeling because you know the dance definitely like became more of a hit on tiktok mm-hmm. that this film was kind of trying to capture a newer horror audience to like pull them in so i'm almost curious like what were the conversations that we're having like before leading up to this of who they were trying to go after if there was some connection of like well we could, we could have some murder, but like, you know, d- uh, you know, tone it down a little bit. You know, we don't necessarily want to see, you know, we didn't see the dog necessarily die either, which I think just think about just like seeing pets mm-hmm. killed and stuff like that. But we know it happened, right. obviously. So I, I'm just curious, like if you, how your perspective is uh, related to that. Yeah. So like they released an unrated cut of this film, right? And I don't know if that's what you watched um, it doesn't really matter because there's it was. doesn't really matter because there's not there's not much of a big difference. The the like the one standout big difference is we can jump forward to the scene. So like Katie was being homeschooled, and this is a scene that kind of comes almost out of nowhere. But like Gemma and Katie mm-hmm. are going back and forth about Katie's education, and Katie was being homeschooled. So like Gemma is trying to transfer her to real school but at the same time they're doing homeschool things and that's how they wind up at the this homeschool adventure park or like mm-hmm. like it, it they don't explain this very well this is another there's a lot of scenes in this movie that they kind of just jump to things and they gloss over mm-hmm. stuff you know we we already mentioned it with like how she gets inspired to make megan but this is another thing they just kind of gloss over and they're uh, at this uh retreat for homeschool kids Mm-hmm. And it's being run by other homeschool parents. And uh, you get a very funny interaction between one of the homeschool kids because he's not fucking well adjusted. <laughs> and you get this homeschool kid. Yeah, you get this homeschool kid, Brandon. He's he's pretty much a teenager at this point. And his mom is just like one of these like chatterbox ladies who thinks she knows best and everything. And she's going off in mm-hmm. Gemma's ear. And then she's like, she just goes, hey, Brandon, buddy, do you want to put your jacket on or something? And then just <laughs> just he turns around like with a full man's voice. And he's like, fuck off, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> but like, this is where you, that is pretty yeah, funny this is where you get like, like kind of making fun yeah, of shit. Yeah, it's, it's a funny scene. And like, this is another one of those little things. You know, it's funny to incorporate like just like this practically adult kid <laughs> with all these other like little kids who are being homeschooled, you know, mm-hmm. because like that's not how that's not the way kids would usually interact if they weren't being homeschooled. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're like right. you're usually with like like minded and kids of the same kind of development, you know, going mm-hmm. to public school. But uh, yeah, they, they send them off and they're like, we're going to roast up chestnuts so everybody go in the woods and roast chestnuts and they pair brandon with katie and they're off in the woods and like brandon is obviously a sociopath 
because he can't be unsupervised for because for no reason he just sticks you know this chestnut that is like spiny like in katie's hand and starts hurting her like he's just Mm -hmm. malicious but megan hears him and you know megan begins to chase Mm -hmm. (laughs) well after you know what it's after i think yeah it's like she comes up and he's like fucking with her a little bit and then she kind of she definitely goes into like a prey mode of like trying to like because at this point she's learning katie and i'm trying to understand Mm -hmm. her and adjusting and growing and it's like so katie is my number one and that's i think the dog died before oh yeah yeah the dog yeah so um like we already see that she's trying to like go into like a protective mode of her which it was a weird scene so like after uh this kid is like messing around with megan uh she like then proceeds to try to hunt him and it's like the only time throughout the whole movie that we see her go into a very specific like animalistic like mode and i was looking up a little bit about it and i feel like the only reason they did it is because in one of the uh interview type films that uh amy had to send in she just like did that in their like living room that (laughs) run and i'm like oh so this is like the only reason you guys did this like just because it kind of looks funny um because the prey idea would like make sense if we saw more animalistic characteristics but it just felt a little out of place, even though they were in the woods. Yeah. It still felt a little weird to me. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of feels weird. And it's mostly because, like, Megan is constantly learning things, but you never see her learn these. Like, you never see. Yeah. You never see her learn them. That could have been an interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, it could have been, like, it could have been a fun thing. Like, if we had an earlier scene of her, Katie, playing in the yard and, like, they were playing horses or whatever. And, like, that's, mm, you know, yeah. that's the posture Megan adopted. But you don't mm-hmm. see that and and the other thing is like yeah we skipped over we kind of skipped over like the the inciting part uh of like megan learns what death is and for some reason that triggers her to be more callous in the way mm-hmm. that she treats everything that isn't katie because mm-hmm. then she kills the neighbor's dog who's been harassing them and then that's why she's also able to like you know attack brandon because mm-hmm. she she no longer values life that isn't Katie, I guess it's not it's it's yeah. not terribly clear. But uh, just the back just to get back to what we were talking about, the differences between the unrated version and this version is when Brandon is on top of Megan, you have the scene of she rips his ear off, mm-hmm. and it's very it's much more graphic in the unrated version. You see like a full prosthetic okay. ear being pulled out and like pulled and ripped okay, off. Okay, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I must. I definitely didn't see yeah. unrated, but yeah, no, I it was. I, I liked the again. It kind of felt like a little like silly fun thing though. Is like when then she stood up and then just like flicked it. Yeah, I thought that was real right. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She just flicks it away. It, it doesn't mean anything to her. It has no value. Mm-hmm. And then she chases him, and he gets he trips, and he gets fucking absolutely blasted by an SUV, <laughs> which is Sick. you know also just kind of funny. But like <laughs> another one of the fun little things in that is. Uh, you, you cut back to Holly, the uh, Brandon's mom, and Gemma, and just like you break into the middle of a conversation, and Holly is going on about, and you know they say kids who have like behavioral problems, they're you know that means it's a sign of a higher IQ. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> you can all the cliche things. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's just so easy to like build out everything else around Holly. 
at that moment because she is just like taking things she's read on the internet about sociopaths and like trying to spin it into a good thing instead of acknowledging that her kid is a fucking psycho and needs to be like oh yeah because it's a full reflection of you lady (laughs) it's just so funny and i think that's like one of the stronger points is just like it's it's so easy to build all that backstory behind just like that one line so like i think that's pretty strong writing where like other times, you know, the other mm-hmm. writing isn't exactly as strong, but it's a fun thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, sure. you, you start getting Megan. Uh, she's starting to ramp up for a rampage. You think? You think? <laughs> you think she's gonna rampage? Because <laughs> uh, shortly after she yep. kills, uh, shortly after she kills Brandon, then you know the the neighbor comes back looking for the dog that has already been killed and like she's just been a general nuisance and harasser uh throughout the movie but also like Gemma's like kind of just rude to her for no reason at times as well yeah their their relationship think i've maybe it's like a lack of character development on that front i mean i feel like you get a sense of Gemma being like very disconnected of a human mm-hmm. and like she seems pretty put together, but like she's solving the wrong problems, like touching on the relationship with that neighbor. Like they kept granted. It's like a weird situation. It's like, Oh my, your dog keeps coming over here, but it's your fence. So fix it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but some people are blaming the wrong people throughout the whole thing versus being like, if I have my dog outside regularly, I should probably make sure this dog stays contained. Like or, this yeah. is just, you know, and then versus Gemma taking responsibility of like, okay, I get that this person's not going to do anything, but this person's dog now hurt like this child that I'm guardian of. So I should have just fucking fixed the fence right. as well. So it's like a weird lack of like understanding of what people's motivations are for this. Um, so I and I and I think it gives you like a lack of care. And I, this movie does an interesting way of like you're like I literally don't really care about a lot of people throughout Mm-mm. it. Besides maybe Katie. Yeah. Yeah. And even Katie's a shitbird at times. Oh yeah, Katie like she gets really shitty, especially, you know, closer to the end. But yeah, like you don't yeah, you don't care too much for the neighbor. It but it's also just weird how they don't make it a hundred percent the neighbor's fault because again, Gemma could have just fixed the fence and then you know like it's all Mm -hmm. the neighbor's fault you know (laughs) right but yeah because she didn't fix the fence the dog gets killed and now the neighbor is harassing them about that and katie begins to recognize her as a threat and so she kills her too Mm -hmm. and it's yeah i don't know it's not uh i feel like it just it wasn't warranted because like there wasn't the same kind of threat from the neighbor yeah, it wasn't physical, like which is what we were used to up to, like at least with a couple of those deaths. It wasn't physical because yeah, the dog had attacked Megan and had attacked Katie. Brandon so had attacked. Just reading her emotions the whole time, yeah. and it's like if they then somehow line up. So it's less even to do with like what is actually happening. So I don't think she understands what could be, what is a threat and what isn't a threat. Mm-hmm. It's just more about Katie's emotional state and how someone makes her feel. Mm-hmm which are can be wildly varying at the same time if she's seeing like uh similar patterns like no now this person's a threat because she's like nervous or anxious right you know what i mean yeah and i guess 
it just could have been communicated more clearly because like you're saying so mm-hmm. so like brandon w- was a threat and the dog were, were a threat so like if they could find a way to show that the neighbor made katie feel the same way those other two legitimate threats made her feel right so if they if it was just a little more clear then it would have made more sense and would have felt more earned when she kills the neighbor um but then from totally yeah but then from there like she ooh ooh ooh, ooh actually mm. uh Gemma is the secondary which i don't necessarily know if that's an actual tie as far as what threats go mm-hmm. but like Gemma is attached to megan as like a secondary so like the neighbors seemed more of a threat to like sure. Gemma. I'm curious if maybe that was like part of it. Sure. I mean, and yeah, that could have been it too, because you know, like you see as you've already been like alerted to the fact that like Megan's been programmed wrong, you know, because mm-hmm. she actually wasn't set up with Meg rails. She has no Meg rails. <laughs> <laughs> Lessons y'all. Uh, if you're dealing with a Megan, understand the meg rails we need to be contained a little bit otherwise you you just don't even know what to expect Mm -hmm. we can we anything can happen anything Anything goes you got to set up the meg rails and they didn't set up the meg rails with (laughs) megan and then she is like all over the place she's listening to conversations she shouldn't she's like starting the back talk she's starting to stay awake when she shouldn't which how does mm. she charge? That was like... Did she, I think it was that seat. She always seemed to just get up anytime she wanted. <laughs> but It's true. It was almost like um, wireless charging. That's what it reminded yeah. me of. Because she would sit down on that one spot and like light up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess she. it was just like a charging bench seat, which in their... Mm-hmm. Uh, like they, they said it was going to cost $10,000 for that thing. I can only imagine that bench seat was like an extra charge. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you got to you got to pay for the charging station of your Tesla. So you got to pay for your charging. St- I was going to say it's less than a Tesla, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, it depends on the model. <laughs> but I I just want I would like I feel like if I started joking about that, it would somehow end up coming back to be me being making fun of me. But anywho, um, guys, I'm the top tier model of Tesla. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, you wanted to say you're the top tier Megan. <laughs> You're, yeah, yeah, I am the top tier Megan. Um, the Megan that we experienced in the movie is the intro model. Yeah, she the test model, if you will. Yeah, she's a she's a lesser test model. Again, she doesn't have her programming correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, you're you're you don't need you know inputs from outside world to you know, make your own decisions. <laughs> she has to evolve to do that. <laughs> I would, what I was gonna like we keep talking you keep saying that too about it like uh, she wasn't programmed correctly but I feel like that what we understood about the technology was that it, it like grows and evolves itself and that's what makes it so intelligent mm-hmm. it just happened to like go too far yeah so I mean yeah it goes too far but it's just like you can because it's a creation of people you can set up those things early on and that that's was the one problem they're running into is like the 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 issue and concept of death came up and they just mm-hmm. didn't have those blockers put into place that should have been put into place before anything to sure. say when you hear death don't think about it don't look don't look it up on the internet which is what she does like she hears death and she's like that's what i say to myself <laughs> don't think about it <laughs> <laughs> 
Death. Don't, no, unless it's the band. Death. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. If it's the band, death. In which case, that's fine. You know, if they're opening up for Venom, you know, think about that. <laughs> yeah. Think about that instead. That actually would have been a really funny parameter. <laughs> like when you think about death, think about death and Venom. Yeah. <laughs> Together, she would have turned into an instant god. Yeah. Think about, you know, who are they on tour with? Are they with Merciful Fate this summer? <laughs> Are they playing with King Diamond? <laughs> oh, man. But then oh, it, that would have totally backfired, though, now because the like lead singer like fucking mm. dead. So like it would have just been very cyclical. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. So back to the drawing board. <sighs> no good. <laughs> but yeah, so they didn't set up those rails. They didn't have her, you know, ignore the death prompt. So then she does her own research. And that's the other problem is like she starts researching her own things and then developing responses to that research. Um, mm-hmm. but she did her own yeah, research. She did her own research. <laughs> this is what happens when Trumpers say do your own research is Megan kills people. Yeah, you get you get bad robots. <laughs> you get bad robots. So don't do your own research. Mm-hmm. Listen to science. Listen to science. Listen to somebody else. And th- that's the that's the other funny thing that they kind of try to set up is like Megan is full of science and then like she's like giving facts about condensation but then like mm-hmm. where is she you know she's getting all this information but like they never say where she's getting it from so it just seems like she's scraping the internet like an AI model yeah it's the Googles mm-hmm. it's the Googles yeah for sure so, there's so- <laughs> actually it was Bing what was the Bing Megan model sorry yeah I would no, <laughs> I was just gonna bring that up is like I, I thought it it would have been funny, but they I just maybe they couldn't do it in 2023 year of our Lord. But they it would have been funny if at some point the robot got racist, because that's what oh that's what's happened with a lot of these AI models is every time mm-hmm. they're allowed to just scrape the Internet, they also wind up scraping the bad parts of the Internet. And they start saying crazy things about Hitler and racism. And like Microsoft has had to shut down, I think, at least two AI models. They had one on Twitter. They had one on Twitter. And I think it only lasted like 24, 32 hours before it went full racist and was saying crazy, crazy shit. Insane. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's also kind of fucking hilarious. Yeah. And also, oh, my God. Which would have been so racist. It would have been hilarious if at some point Megan went racist. (laughs) Um, That's actually going to be the sequel. I hope so. I hope so. I hope they go much crazier in the sequel. Um, There was just another quick example, though. Uh, There was a thing on Twitch that was AI generated Seinfeld. I don't know if you saw this. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was it was just like an AI generated the Seinfeld apartment and four okay. and the four characters and they mm-hmm. just walked around like spouting their own prompts. And I think it lasted like almost a week, maybe more. And mm-hmm. then it said something transphobic and they're like we got to shut it down. Got shut it down. Oh my gosh, this is this is ridiculous. Everyone's everything's susceptible. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, it's just susceptible because it's it's taking inputs from people. You know, that's the right. problem. Is like, you know, and that's what, you know, essentially what the entire uh thing about this movie is, is like it's susceptible because it's just taking in inputs from people. And Katie doesn't understand that. It doesn't understand mm-hmm. and Katie doesn't understand that, and Gemma doesn't understand that she needs to interact as a person. So, like, mm-hmm. Katie isn't taking the wrong things away. 
And like, sure. that's how it's like a sci-fi model because like that's already happening. It's already happening. Mm-hmm. Kids are on the internet learning the wrong fucking thing. Sure. And, and their parents don't know it. And their parents don't know how to stop them from learning the fucking crazy shit that's out there. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the kind of the big ending to this film, though, we've talked about it a little bit, is that there, despite the problems with Katie, uh, they're hiding. The Gemma is hiding these problems from her parent company, Funky. And Funky is going to have this big launch party. Because they need to get out ahead of it and they want to show off Megan and they want to show her to the world and debut this $10,000 robot toy that's going to like diagnose autism and, you know, take a time away from the parents and help everything out around the house and, you know, teach the kids. And like, basically, you don't have to be a parent anymore, which is like the dream for most you know parents who were unprepared, I think. <laughs> Like, sure. <laughs> like, I think there's a lot of lazy, shitty parents out there who would just be perfectly well, fine. I, like leading up to this point, we didn't fully touch on it, too, uh, was that there were those um, uh, like test um, test like scenes where they're like, let's put Megan and Katie in the same room so you can actually see what they're doing together mm-hmm. and like go and be like so shocked and surprised, um, which is what initially sold that this like could be something that let's pitch to the investors. Let's like launch this as a thing. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there was such like an, it showcased how unemotional people are around like, even just the sensitivity and the emotionalness of like children, like even Gemma, like Gemma mm-hmm. just was constantly like, Oh, well, maybe you should stay home. But we have this really big presentation, right? My job's on the line. And so there was this like that instant, like how much do people care or even just showing how little prepared Gemma was for this situation and kind of showing her emotional capacity, unless it has something to do with this AI technology. Cause the big moments we see connecting are like related to Megan or even when Bruce was around. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'll like, I'll give mm-hmm. kind of props to that test scene for the investors because mm-hmm. like they, they never, like say it explicitly but like katie is obviously performing a script and like you could read this scene incorrectly and think she's the actress is doing bad acting but she's doing Mm -hmm. bad acting on purpose because this is something that Gemma has pushed her into like Mm. this whole the, the whole story about her parents dying and everything and how she feels alone i'm pretty sure this was all a setup to pull the heartstrings of the oh, investors absolutely. you know so like Gemma had her kind of relive and say these things about her dead parents and like play you know like fake cry and everything mm-hmm. and then like because you get because you get the follow-up scene afterwards where like katie is basically fine she's just playing thumb war with megan and eating right. hot dogs and then like Gemma is kind of trying to apologize for putting her through that and yeah. like, and I think well, she's apologizing well, even, for making her relive that. Yeah. Well, even like later on when they're at the launch and there's the video of Katie just kind of like, yeah, Megan, help me do blah, blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. like even you pointing out what you just did, I was like, there's, there feels like so much disconnected because if you look at that scene with Megan and Katie, like it felt really awkward when Katie's just like, blah, blah, blah about my parents. You're like, uh-huh. oh, 
Yeah. She we, just, we didn't, yeah, yeah. I felt yeah. very like, just like, okay, now is this just happening? Got yeah. it. Yeah. It, like it could, like it could feel like bad acting, but no, it's purposely bad acting because it's the actor playing a bad actor in that scene. Mm-hmm. So like, again, the, this director, has, you know, like he does a better job with kids than Kurt Wimmer does. So, <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> bars low, bud. Bars low. Bars low, but he still got it. <laughs> got it up over. <laughs> but all right. So. We fast forward to the uh, launch scene and like this, this is where Katie uh, or not Katie. This is where Megan starts to lose it. Uh, Gemma and Katie have left because, oh, you know what? Yeah, this is another fun thing is like, again, before the launch, Katie is in a room with the therapist and she's just losing her shit in the background. Mm-hmm. Like Gemma oh, is, yeah. <laughs> like Gemma is. I did like that a lot. Yeah, it's just so funny because just this happening in the background, because Gemma is trying to talk to her like coworkers, who, who are kind of like her lackeys, and like they're trying to decide whether or not they launch Megan because they know because Gemma knows Megan has basically killed two people. She hasn't said it out loud, right. but yeah, like videos have been lost. Like. Mm-hmm something's off with Megan and also she like before that the scene like when Megan just creeps into her like la- like office lab garage right. thing I was just like oh god yeah Megan is for sure unhinged now yeah she's being a creep and like so you get this scene but like in the background Katie is having a full on meltdown because she can't mm-hmm. be with Megan <clears throat> at the time she's like throwing chairs against the glass <laughs> It's, uh-huh. just, it's just a full complete blowout <laughs> it's just hilarious it's just hilarious because it's downplayed as something happening in the background um, right and this is where like you get a quick reconciliation between Gemma and Katie though and this like this scene feels like the least earned of all because they just so quickly like Gemma learns oh she needs to you know like be an actual parent now she can't just pass things yeah. off to technology and like Katie right, accepts it's it. it's clearly backfiring. Right. And then Katie also just accepts it too easily as well. You know, mm-hmm. she's just like, oh, okay, yeah, you can be my mommy well, now. It's like, yeah, but kind of. Like, because right. I think that like right after that is the car scene when she's like kicking the car, which you almost, you, I, I immediately got triggered to like the first scene of the, the parents' thing. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. Now we have another car accident, yada, yada, yada. But like, um, well, no, that, yeah. scene, that scene was directly before she's freaking out with the therapist because they're driving Megan back to Funky to right, diagnose her right. problems. Yeah. So, like, yeah, right. she she's she's been having freakouts all the way up to this point of, mm-hmm. like, them having a reconciliation. And it's just like, eh, it doesn't feel, I don't know, the swings didn't feel right. And it just, mm-hmm. the, the, it didn't feel earned. Like, because Gemma hadn't sure. really done anything to prove herself as more valuable to Katie than Megan. Sure. You know, Kate, all she was mm-hmm. able to do is just like, say there's something wrong with Megan and Katie wasn't right. accepting that anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're just, I don't know. It, it's, it, it's okay. It's just, I don't know. It, uh, it, I don't know. It, it wasn't my favorite part. This is one of those things where yeah, like, totally. one of those things where like, <laughs> if this movie was sillier, it wouldn't bother as much, you know, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have, put so much emotional weight before this because like that's the thing is like it uh, it loads up with so much uh, emotional weight beforehand with like dead parents and like attachment issues and all that and it 
to just like this quick one scene of like, okay, yeah. take my hand. We're going to go home. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, they, uh, they leave, they leave the launch, you know, Gemma gives up, essentially gives up her job because she's going to get fired for this. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. but she takes Katie home. Uh, and then, excuse me. And then that's when you start getting the hint that Megan is far more autonomous than she's, mm-hmm. you know, she's been up to this point because she starts spoofing a call. <laughs> she's like, she mm-hmm. pretends to be one of the coworkers and then she's like hooked into the mainframe and like, she comes alive to yeah yeah <laughs> like she she blows up the two co-workers <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i like this this whole scene it's just one of those things where i like the only thing i could do to like have it be like i'm on board is because this is where i think like there was just like the fun action horror elements of it mm-hmm. where i enjoyed what happened though some of it just felt like it was just for pure or pure um like uh entertainment was sort of like yeah well yeah no it's like at this point that the movie goes like full-on malignant is the way like Mm -hmm. it's like these following scenes you can feel like this is where you know gabriel gets revealed in the malignant film this feels like Mm -hmm. malignant light because it's a pg-13 movie and like they really didn't film anything that would have made this an R movie because like we were talking about earlier, like this whole big launch party is going on and Gemma's boss, Daniel has been like hyping this up. He wants like more people inside. He wants like, you know, he doesn't want kids on stage with the toy cause he doesn't want them playing with it. But you know, they want kids, mm-hmm. they want kids there. It's like, this was set up to be like a huge recipe for disaster, but it doesn't mm-hmm. pay off that way. So it's like malignant it's light. Uh, yeah. it, it pays off with like, you know, the two lab techs, they get blown up. And then Daniel gets chased down in the infamous scene. Everybody knows of like the little girl does the dance. And then she grabs mm-hmm. like the paper cutter arm, which I don't know how many people still use a paper cutter in an office. I don't. <laughs> I, I, do, I don't. I used it at a restaurant. Okay. For cutting menus. Okay. You know? All right. I uh, like. I but, didn't know. But it's not the same type of paper cutter. Like that's like a, a paper cutter was like a early 1990s, like or, or earlier, like. It's yeah. You're, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna chop off someone's head with this thing. Yeah. I mean, those things are definitely earlier. Like we remember them from school, but mm-hmm. the thing is, those things have been in schools since like the 50s, probably. <laughs> It's just sure, they sure, never yeah, they yeah. never took them out in the 90s. <laughs> we were left with these death machines that could take our fingers because those things had no safety guide on them or anything. You could have put your finger in and taken your finger off. <laughs> but yeah, Megan, solid. Megan kills this guy you know, with with this thing, uh, with this blade. And then Wait, she can I ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, did you see the <laughs> Megan? uh april fool's video i didn't know <laughs> they were talking about the sequel and they're jokingly calling it megan in paris oh god and so basically when <laughs> they pulled off the um paper cutter thing it was a baguette oh. and then you see like, <laughs> it was so bad and it's like silly and goofy but 
Yeah. And then the boss gets stabbed with a baguette in essence. And then the baguette comes through his chest. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Solid. <laughs> That's funny though. Did they put like a little beret and mustache on Megan or? I don't think, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to remember. I definitely Boo. saw an Eiffel Tower. I mean, this mm. is, yeah. Boo. <laughs> but <laughs> if it doesn't have the beret and mustache, I'm out again. <laughs> I was out. in, then Done. I was out. But yeah, she, she kills a Daniel and then you get this really intense kind of like it's it, it would be intense in another film it's not intense in this film mm-hmm. but she because it's silly because it's a it's a little girl robot but she's having this uh kind of super villain monologue with the boss's assistant of like how you're going to kill yourself and how it's going to be your fault that you killed the boss as well. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you were stealing secrets and you didn't know how to deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) I know this plot. Yeah. Which I mean he was. (laughs) Which that felt like that's where it feels like super silly because now she's plotting. She's not just Mm -hmm. like disregarding life. She's now plotting how to end life, which is a that's a mm-hmm. very I feel like that's such a human thing of being that sociopathic to lie about how you're going to end life. You know, sure. like that, that, that I don't, I feel like that was almost that's but too we all complex fear is going to happen with like AI, though. You mm-hmm. know, that's like the that's the insane narrative about it. Yeah. Is that there wouldn't be a control factor with it. Um yeah i don't know it's just like that amount of deviousness it can only be imagined by humans i feel like so that's why that i mean that's why it feels like it could be scary but also i it feels too silly to me or just like Mm -hmm. too silly to take seriously it's like yeah you you went too far (laughs) you know the Mm term the terminator makes sense because you're it was told to kill okay Mm -hmm. it's not trying to make a plan on how to kill (laughs) it's just trying to kill (laughs) right but yeah, so like, yeah, she she makes this whole supervillain speech and then slits the guy's throat and then rides the elevator down with him. And like you get a funny scene of, you know, like the kids turning around. They're like they're coaching the kids at this live stream event. And they're like, all right, big reactions when we see Megan. <laughs> and then they see an elevator of dead bodies. But like, yeah. If it was an elevator with Megan and dead bodies and then she went on a rampage that's where that's that's what i was missing that's all i was missing <laughs> sure sure well um uh to touch on a couple things that i like kind of read about leading up to it you know i already mentioned the alice in wonderland like touch we talked about furbies but like that scene was it just feels like there were a lot of like nods to other things that were very reminiscent so i don't know if throughout this movie to sell it to people like our age maybe a little bit older there were just things that we remember seeing elsewhere like that would that scene was being described as being similar to the scene in die hard when um after bruce willis like sends the elevator down and it's like revealed and then the other one was when they're at the camp and megan's sitting in with all the toys it was like reminiscent of et being in the closet as like one of the stuffed animals so it's like the moment I saw it, I was like, oh, this is kind of, I think, sometimes like tip, like tricks, and, like tricks to get people to like be like trigger a memory. But um, it allows us to feel a little bit more engaged and entertained because we've seen it before. But now knowing I'm just like, eh. yeah, I think I think it's also partly because of like the age we are now. 
uh, sure. we're the age we are is the kind of around the same age, I believe, of like Jared Johnstone and James Wan. You know, mm, I, yeah. I think James Wan is maybe, you know, like maybe a couple years older than us. You know, like I think he's in his you know he's early 46. Yeah. So like he's yeah, he's like about 10 years older than us. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think Gerald Johnstone might actually be younger, not younger than us, but like he's younger than James Wan. So it's just the fact mm-hmm. that like we're so generationally close to directors now, you know, directors and writers that it's just like sure. when they incorporate something in, it's because it's also a lived experience for them. Like sure. when, when we watch older movies we're experiencing what their kind of childhoods and early 20s were and the like mm-hmm. the things that they remember and experienced and it's like foreign to us because it was new to them at the time but mm-hmm. you know and then they reached adulthood and made a movie about the things from their early adulthood or early oh, childhood so i think yeah. it's just at the point now like yeah like the furby reference we get for sure but that's probably because mm-hmm. you know jared and james they also grew up with Furbies or had siblings with Furbies. So I like to think that both of them had them. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. James Wan for sure took the fur off his Furby, though, and just had that weird exoskeleton. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I love how I feel like much Furbies specifically are coming back into my life. Like I do follow this one account where someone takes like the face of the eyes and like mouth combo and like sews it onto these really, really weird creatures. Like one has this really long neck. I think yeah. it's called long Furby. And and they put like horns like mm-hmm. deer antlers on it and it looks so terrifying and awesome yeah um i appreciate it it did make me look on ebay at not super recently it was like last year sometime for furbies and i didn't know there was an autumn one that ha- comes with a witch's hat oh wow <laughs> so yeah you're i like your oh wow there because you were like when is she gonna stop talking about no no it's it's not when you're gonna stop talking about furbies it's just like like i don't know i i've i've really seen like a whole lot of other modded furbies i've seen the account you're talking about too like it's so weird like but like just to be like oh wow they had an autumn furby like you're trying to regress to the point of like you're buying a real furby instead of getting like the weird modded ones that are like I, yeah, I'd, I'll, I'll just be a weird uh, 35 year old who just starts started collecting Furbies. Yeah, on the um, legit. You're not yeah. you're not like you're like collecting Beanie Babies on the legit. You're not collecting the ones that look like the dog from the thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe it would be both. Like I would be I would do both. OK, that's what I'm saying. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure like if you go on eBay, there's like a whole after or Etsy even. Etsy's got to have a weird aftermarket for Furbies of oh, like yeah. of custom Furby <laughs> memorabilia. Oh man. I just didn't read. I don't think until I did that search that time that like how, how many, how much variety there was with Furbies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, Anywho, we can stop talking about Furbies now. I think we hit our point. Um, <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, people remember the nineties, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Let's be, you guys can just know me as the Furby girl now, you know, <laughs> Make, you can't, you can't transition. You can't say that you're not a horse girl anymore and that you want to be a Furby girl. You can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Megrel up. Yeah. Heard. Megrel up. Not allowed to make that transition. The audience knows you as a horse girl. <laughs> Stay in your lane. <laughs> you're going to have to like, 
you're gonna have to put in like three years work at least <laughs> and then start showing off your furby collection on tiktok <laughs> before you can start calling yourself a furby girl you can't just announce Sick. it now without having a furby you don't have a furby that's <laughs> true i don't have a furby <laughs> You know what, Stephen? Feel real called out right now. And I know saying, you're right. Yeah. You know, I know you're right. I, I, I can give but... I can give you a roadmap to become a Furby girl, but you can't just say <laughs> I'm a Furby girl without having a Furby. You know, my audience also being silent on this matter <laughs> believes that I am also a Furby girl. <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. Okay. I am done. Officially done. Okay. <laughs> so, well, let's we can get almost done with this film as well because uh, after Megan doesn't massacre an entire live stream event on Twitch, uh, she heads back home to uh, Gemma and Katie, who are you know obviously trying to get over Megan, and uh, you know she attacks Gemma like you know Megan has decided she's the primary caregiver. And she's mm-hmm. not going to let she's not going to be taken away from Katie. She I believe she uh, says that she's going to uh, jam a pen in Gemma's head so hard and so specifically she's going to put her mm-hmm. into a sort of <clears throat> coma or 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 she's a doctor now. Yeah. <laughs> like the AI made her a doctor. Yeah. She essentially says she's mm-hmm. going to give her a lobotomy and then like. Yeah, <laughs> Like she, she, what is, oh yeah to specify the doctor that i'm talking about is the doctor from uh the 30s right yeah yeah she definitely it ends at lobotomy see again this is why megan should have also been racist if she can scrape lobotomy techniques she can also oh, wow. scrape racist things so yeah um again the sequel for sure yeah racist megan she breaks trump out of jail <laughs> but yeah, so she's like, she's going to lobotomize Gemma and then, you know, like run a family by, you know, the passive income from Gemma and then <laughs> raise Katie as her own, I guess. Katie discovers and hears, overhears it finally. She realizes how much trouble she's in. And this is where she gets the Bruce gloves out, you know, the, the finally for mm-hmm. the, the foreshadowing payoff. Yeah. And yep. this is also like full on silliness. And I, lo- I love this part. Like it's full on silliness and I love it mm-hmm. because like you set it up and now you pay it off of, you know, here's here comes this giant robot and it feels kind of like Ed 209 in a way taking on RoboCop, except for Ed 209 wins this one and just fucking mm-hmm. picks up, <laughs> picks up Megan and rips her in half. Like, yeah. you know, it like discard, like the way she just throws her against the wall. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's very similar to discarding the ear. Like, it's just, she just broke her toy. <laughs> yeah. Like she, she, like she broke her toy. She, you know, ripped up her Barbie and broke it in half. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if, I don't know how, if you played a lot with action figures growing up. Um, but this was, you know, a- it was pretty exclusively, uh, horse toys. Okay. Well, this this was very. <laughs> if Brian was here, he would agree with me. But this was very common for anybody who had the the three and a quarter inch GI Joe figures. They mm-hmm. had a they just had a rubber band that connected their legs to their torso. Really? Yeah, and that rubber band would snap all the time, and you were just left with two legs and a torso. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um. 
so high quality. Yeah. So that that for sure brought back memories of just like accidentally snapping your GI Joe, and now <laughs> now they're like <laughs> just the torso with arms. <laughs> yeah, and then the Megan comes back though. Mm-hmm. Pretty solid. Yeah. Pretty creepy. Yeah. Pretty solid. Pretty creepy because she's also. Like this is this is the thing that's good about all robot rampage films. Uh, even if the rampage isn't completely achieved, you have to have the robot taken apart down to a point of like mm-hmm. you know you see the exoskeleton. It's not completely dead. It's crawling around on just mm-hmm. its hands. You see it in Terminator. You see it in Christmas Bloody Bloody Christmas, and you see it uh, in this film. You have Megan, who's like her hair is all ripped out. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. she, she has she has the Hulk Hogan horseshoe hair. <laughs> <laughs> Great comparison. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, hey. Would have also then tied in if she turned a little racist, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. Again, if she if she ended the film as Hulk Hogan, it would have made sense. <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah. Which is also appropriate. We're recording WrestleMania weekend, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot. I think it's also in post about it. Mm-hmm. Anywho, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, Gemma saves the day and smashes Megan's head in with her other robot's head, and uh, you know, uh, the day is saved, or so you believe, because in actuality, Megan has paired with their Alexa, uh, which is Elise in this film. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Megan lives on within the Alexa. Which is like it's something yep. it's something that's like already been hinted to and like you like shown before. Uh, mm-hmm. It's in the it's it's pretty funny in the scene earlier in the film where Megan just shows up in the workshop in Gemma's workshop. Yeah. And it's her mm-hmm. and the Alexa and they both kind of like look at each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. So it's already been set yeah, up so and it's already like there. Like, yeah. She's yeah. like able to connect with, and we, you know, we get that backed up when she's at the office and is able to like tap into everything mm-hmm. and control things. So, yeah. Yep. And, and also, like, anytime oh. Megan gets mad in the house, like the, the house's lights flicker because she's controlling them. So it's like, mm. it's, 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 it's a thing that's definitely earned and a good setup for the sequel. For it sure. just, it just becomes a matter of like, how does Megan get out of the Alexa and you know, what body does she go into next? So, yeah, I'll be curious because like, I feel, um, we don't really establish like how we establish how it, the, it can get connected to a person, but the disconnection, is it literally like, Oh, you tried to kill me. So now this is done. We're, we're I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do my own thing now. Um, don't really know that so that'll be uh curious like i would for sure i will for sure watch the sequel um oh yeah but i you know my expectations will be pretty minimal as like a this is going to be an entertaining film uh but i maybe i want more rampage next time oh yeah for sure it's got to be more rampage she's definitely gonna have clones i think she's gonna clone herself i have a feeling that'd be interesting sure maybe like she maybe she takes over like a random factory yeah and like starts like manufacturing her own stuff so, yeah mm-hmm. like yeah mm-hmm. for sure so there's another another little tie back to things we're all yeah. familiar with yeah i i was kind of initially not interested in this movie because mm-hmm. one there's like the obvious chucky stuff you know of mm-hmm. like oh it's like a single parent household and here's a robot that kill and like yeah. even though chucky wasn't that's the thing chucky wasn't a robot in the first 
kind of run a child's play series. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the right. soul of a serial killer. Right. But then the remake was exactly that. The remake mm-hmm. was an AI that went rogue. So, like, for sure. I don't know. I was just like, eh, that's why I wasn't interested. But like, I, I just feel like I, my, me, like not watching it initially until just like literally a couple days ago when I texted you about it. I was just, I uh, just heard so many bad reviews and I actually like, it just was like, I heard negative things, but at the same time, I don't think I would echo that. I mean, we've obviously mm-hmm. talked about the things that are probably misses for the movie, but we're dissecting it. Um, mm-hmm. If you're like, if it's like someone's generally just looking for entertainment, it's a f- fine fucking movie yeah it's it's fine and also like i think it's a i think it's a pretty good like early horror film for anybody who's young yeah yeah no for sure yeah so like it's it's a good introduction like if you you know i know like a lot of the problems with like people who are younger they're, they're not interested in watching older films because of the way they're formatted and the way they're yep. filmed and like you know how some of the effects can be hokey and i, I get that so like yeah it, you know if you want an early horror film for like somebody who's in their teens this is fine so what we're saying as non-parents yes. show this like watch this with your family you know <laughs> make some popcorn cozy up on the couch you know what? Have some family time and mm-hmm. watch Megan. Yeah, as non-parents, but like people who would substitute as like bad uncles and aunts who would show like <laughs> horror films to kids. I would for sure watch this with my niece, for sure. She's, I don't know if I've shared this. This is definitely a side quest, but I like, uh, my niece is now officially into the Misfits, which is sick. Nice. <laughs> um, she skateboards. She plays. Like, she's fucking so badass. She wants to watch horror movies. Oh yeah, she's ready for this film. If she if she can listen to Danzig sing about skulls and fucking Michael Graves sing about oh, yeah. you because know, it's all references to horror films anyway. So you might as well just show her the films that they're talking about. <laughs> totally, and I for sure just like want to. Besides uh, showing her like watching horror with her, uh, I want to take her to her first like metal show. And mm-hmm. I, but again, talking about intro bands, I'm like, man, she's in a misfits and I could probably take her to some punk shows, but like, I would want it like doom, like doomy music where it's like mm-hmm. not as screamy, like there's not as much screaming involved, but yeah, you can okay, take her to a quest back. <laughs> you can take her to a ghost show. It's not metal, but it's, <sighs> it's got God, the visuals. You watch, you make me watch ghost live. Like I've heard <laughs> it's a great live show, but I have no interest in ghost. <laughs> I, here's ooh, here's the thing Ma- on. that would be a sick one yes you mass well i mean sometimes ghost plays with other things like one of the earliest shows ghost played that i didn't actually see them at because i was late to the show but uh ghost opened for mastodon and opeth that makes sense so, yeah so that like makes a lot you know, of sense you can you can take her to a show like that but like yeah now that opeth they're head- now him. that they're a, now that they're a headlining act yeah yeah, I, I uh, I'm trying to think of who I knew. I knew someone who went, and they were like, "It like the uh, whole stage presence is like very mm-hmm. exciting and awesome and fun." And so, like, I'll give them, I'll give them that. But yeah, I from when when was it when they first really started popping off? It was like 2015, 2014, somewhere in there. And about um, that, yeah, yeah, like that great music. But I just fell off. I you know I also have a weird. I I, tr- I don't always. I feel like I subscribe when I hear people doing really, really shitty things, which is weird to admit out loud. But um, like just knowing how he's like fucked over musicians and he's worked with, like I'm just mm. like, eh, now you're just a shit bird. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I see. I don't follow them close enough to even know that because I, oh, yeah. I, I just, just kind of guy though. That's the thing. It's like one. Yeah, guy. yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, and I mean, kind of. That's the way Opeth has devolved anywhere anymore now because it's just Michael, and he's yeah. just like if somebody's an asshole. I'll kick him off the tour because <laughs> like right. they, they, they constantly they cycle through people all the time. They, I think they just kick somebody out in the twenty twenties for like being an anti vaxxer or whatever. Mm. he's like i'm not gonna put up with that you're gone you're now you're gone <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm opeth everybody fuck off <laughs> <laughs> opeth can do that i actually the moment you mentioned opeth i'm like man i'm gonna go listen to opeth after the show hell yeah oh, yeah dude. i've been i've been listening i mean listening to them for 20 plus years now so like, yeah they're so yeah. good i am glad i've gotten to see them live uh the only thing i've been like re- i i think i'm in a regressive state right now where i'm just listening to um the used and like finch and like all these really old female <laughs> bands that i like when i was a teenager i'm like i'm there all right now the show is no longer halloween is forever it is a music podcast <laughs> it's it's metal bops forever we don't, we don't have brian here to to rein us in our adhd can take us that's right well brian places. brian's not here to rein us in he's not here to talk about the offspring <laughs> Fair. Fair. Garbage garbage punk Metal takes took over. That's the episode. right. We can talk about team, metal all we want. <laughs> team shit show right here. <laughs> here's here's the other thing about metal. It it's in robots. So there we go. <laughs> Look at guys, we're tying this together. Comes full Every, circle. Everything makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, you know, if Megan makes a sequel, I'll watch it now that I've been relatively entertained by this and I can see how silly they can be. I just hope they do go silly er and just like go full R rating, go full silly. All the good things we saw in Malignant, you see flashes of in this film. And so I just hope we get more of that in a sequel. You know, if not, then I'm not watching three. So that's how. <laughs> but your I feel like Megan, Megan, ha- Megan has to go to three. I know the the three, like you know, the mm-hmm. lines are really just like a battery. Mm. Yeah, yeah. However, I think it only makes sense that it makes it to three. I mean, they have to make it to three, so they have to put three, three. They have to put two threes in the thing. You got to get there. But yeah, uh, that's Meg Thregan or Megan uh, or model third generation <laughs> what the fuck ever oh this is just like model an acronym to something oh yeah i mean they mentioned in the movie it's model three generative android um, so yeah which you never no. get introduced the model two or model one so <laughs> <laughs> well i think we saw model two the uh it, bruce the melting face the melting face oh, one. Oh, okay <laughs> i'd go with that and any hoops check it out if you got just like a boring day uh don't bother watching children of the corn that movie's still terrible (laughs) or you know do a double feature and see you know how good kids can act and how uh, bad kids can act (laughs) it might make look it might make megan look a lot better than you know you know like Mm -hmm. it just will Oh, yeah. No, it was definitely a palate cleanser to come on to this film and go, oh, thank God. None of these kids are fucking terrible. <laughs> I wanted but, to make a joke saying to stop coming on films, but anyhow, <laughs> I'm going to go on. <laughs> anywho, we'll just, anywho, we'll just move on and remind everybody that you can follow us at Halloween is Forever on all your major socials and uh, you can just 
leave a five-star review on any of those podcatchers on a Spotify or a Podbean or an Apple. And if you do that, take a screenshot, send a DM to those previously mentioned socials, and Brian will send you stickers. And then uh, also don't forget to vote on our May showdown when we've got telekinesis on the table. We've got full moon features on the table and we've got future stars on the table. Those those before before they were famous. That's all on the mm-hmm. table for May. So don't forget to vote for that. And uh, do we have anything else there, Meg? Oh, no, man. It's crazy how tight of a show this was, Steve. You know, <laughs> such a tight show. We did great. We did a good so job. All that, all that non-talk about you know who's champ and you know rambling on and on about how who he's going to win. Yeah. You know who who is he? <laughs> well, Brian is who will be back to defend his yeah. title I when suppose. we finally do our full robot rampage. And uh, you know, but until then. We're going to shit talk him and then he'll listen to this and go, ooh, those motherfuckers. Oh, he's going to come with ammo next week. Over on over under on how many times he says insubordinate. Uh, ooh, wow. So at a minimum, it's going to be five mm-hmm. um, at a minimum. Yeah, I would say, yeah, at least five insubordinates and like two ungratefuls. So, yeah, we might be called DGENs too. Oh, probably. Yeah, probably. But in the meantime, until then, I'm Steve. I'm Meg. And you've been listening to Halloween forever. Bye. <laughs>